Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Wasn't, wasn't worship good today? Wasn't it good? Yes, yes, it was so good. So welcome, everybody, uh, homers and onliners. You're <laughs> welcome. Um, uh, last weekend, last weekend, I was invited to speak at Church on the Living Edge, Bishop Mark Schrona. And I spoke from uh, When Everything's on Fire. There were several sessions. Perry went with me. And they had also asked Perry to do one session. And Perry did a session on praying the Psalms. That I thought was just extraordinary. I mean, I really did. I thought, dang, this is really good. And our church should hear this. Um, so I just sort of filed that in the back of my mind. that Perry, at some point, should do this. And then on Monday, I realized that, that this Sunday is the confluence of the great Psalms. <laughs> Because, you know, it's the 23rd day of the year, so we're praying the Psalm 23rd, the 23rd sermon, you heard that this morning. And in the lectionary that we pay attention to, the Psalm for today is Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. It's that Psalm. It's one of the great ones. And I know it's one of Perry's favorite ones. So I realized that during prayer, my prayer time on Monday morning. And then when I was done, I just, I came upstairs and I said, Perry, I got an idea. And it took, me, it took me a few days, <laughs> but I was able to convince Perry uh, that she will bring the message this morning. Isn't that nice? Isn't that good? Are you excited? So please welcome Perry Zahn. Good morning, everyone. I have such a persuasive husband. Do you all know that? But I am excited to share this with you. Um, I have an hour and a half's worth of notes. Let's see, what does that take us to? Um, 12.15, is that about right, Brian? Oh, okay, Chiefs don't play till 5.30, so we're good. No, I promise I will cut it short. But I want to talk to you about the Psalms, which are just so important to me. They are the foundation of my prayer life. I will open up by praying a line from uh, Psalm 74, because I think it's very pertinent to the day that we're living in. They burned your sanctuary to the ground. They defiled the place that bears your name. Then they thought, let's destroy everything. So they burned down all the places where God was worshiped. Think about that. That's heartbreaking. Those are just awful, awful thoughts, awful words. But we're living in a time when it feels like everything's on fire. Burn it all down. We have culture wars going on. There's great distrust in our institutions. We have hashtag empty the pews. People who identify as former Christians whose new ministry is to see how many people they can persuade to leave church. I'll tell you, that's of the devil. Amen? 
Um, we also have this little pandemic going on. It's still happening. Well, I read an article just a couple of weeks ago that talked about an epidemic of disconnection. They identified that our culture is experiencing an epidemic of being disconnected. Do you remember how the internet was supposed to connect everybody? Well, how much division has it brought? So we're living in this epidemic of disconnection. But I want to tell you that Jesus had this brilliant idea to connect us, and he called it the church. I need the church more than ever in this time when everything's on fire. The church is where I am connected, and it's where I learn to love, and I learn to care about other people. So when everything's on fire, I need to stay connected to the people of faith, living and, and dead. I need the gospel. And when I talk about the gospel, I mean the Jesus story, but the Jesus story is far bigger than just his life. The gospel really starts way back when with Abraham, when God is, is, is unrolling a way to bring us back to him. So I need the gospel. I need the book. Y'all know about the book? I need the stories in the book, but most of all, I need that overarching story. Do you know humans need stories? There's this incredible need, and uh, philosophers are talking about it now, that, that we've lost our framing stories. We've lost the stories that hold us together. Well, I want to tell you, we have an incredible story. This is an incredible story. And I believe we have the best story. <laughs> it's good, it's true, it's beautiful, and it binds us together. It gives us a purpose to live. It explains why are we here. So my favorite book in the Bible is the Psalms. All the others will teach you about God, but Psalms is where we interact with God. Do you know we are meant to interact with God? We're supposed to engage with God, and right in the center of the Bible is the book of Psalms. The heart of the Bible is where I develop my heart. It's too easy to think that all we need is information about God. That's really important. We gotta know about this God. We gotta know this God we worship, but we need to be with God. We need to speak with God. We need to worship God. We need to hear from God. We need to spend time with God. This is the thing that we know as prayer. Psalms is the foundation of my prayer life. It was the Jewish prayer book. It was Jesus' prayer book. The Benedictines who are the longest enduring monastic movement in history. Their whole prayer thing, all their prayer services are based on the Psalms, and they sing through the Psalms every four weeks. They go through the entire book of Psalms. And I, I uh, am acquainted with and friends with the sisters in uh, Atchison, and I did a spiritual direction program there, and I went to their prayer services, and I learned to sing the Psalms along with them. So the Psalms help us to worship God. I love to worship. I mean, do we have any other worshipers here? <laughs> I was created to worship. I feel most alive when I'm worshiping God. And I love the, um, 
the call to worship that we open our services with every single week. We have gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. We have come to this moment to worship God. We've come to confess that Jesus is Lord. We are not here to be entertained. We are here to encounter the sacred. We are not consumers. We are worshipers. We praise and adore the living God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So that's my identity. I'm not a consumer. I'm a worshiper. I recognize that in him, I live and move and have my being. God is not the most important thing in my life. God is the very essence of my life. Can any of you relate to that? I have this beautiful memory of being 13 years old, having just responded to a salvation altar call where I I prayed to make Jesus you know, the center of my life, to invite Jesus into my heart. But then I was taken into a prayer room, and I entered into this room where a worship service was going on. It was all these teenagers in this darkened room, candlelit, and they were singing to Jesus. Many of you probably know the song they were singing. It's hallelujah. You know that song? It was just so beautiful. We sing it over and over again. And I walked into that room and I fell to my knees and I lifted my hands and I entered into worship. And I I knew I was home. I was home. I had found that place where I was going to spend the rest of my life. It was what I was created for. Worshiping God is so wonderful. Don't you love to come into the service every Sunday morning and sing with the saints of God? And yet, it is so easy to forget. We need to be reminded and we need to be stirred up to worship God. Why? Because the world, the flesh, and the devil all weigh down on us. And life itself can be very hard, but the Psalms remind us, Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. We have to learn to preach to ourselves and speak faith when you can't see an answer. Call those things that be not as though they are. So the Psalms remind us of God's faithfulness. The children of Israel were encountered, or or they were instructed to build memorials. Every time God did something incredible, well, build a a memorial to remind yourself of it. We need to know these stories. We need to know what God did in the past. We need to tell these stories. We need to trust these stories. We need to live into the stories. Our stories help us understand who we are and where we are going. Well, the Jewish people have their sacred Torah. It's the first five books of the Bible, which we know as Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And it is the most sacred part of the scriptures for them. In fact, they have a daily Torah reading. I mean, for, for, 
for perpetuity, they have had a daily Torah reading. They read this portion of the scriptures because it is their foundational story, their framing story that tells them how they were made into a people, starting with Abraham and then the whole story of Moses and how they became a nation. And they need that story and it's an important story. It grounds them and it gives them purpose. Now there's a repeated theme throughout the book of Psalms. It says about loving the law. If you've ever read much of Psalms, you know that it talks continually about loving the law. Psalm 119.97, oh how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. What are they saying? Are they saying, oh I really love having a bunch of rules. No, that's not what they mean by the law. They're talking about their Torah, the law, they call it the books of the law. They're talking about how much they love those first five books of the Bible and how they go to it again and again and again. And so that's what it means to love thy law and to meditate on it day and night. How can you meditate on something day and night? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you something about the book of Psalms that I think is kind of little known, but the Jewish people compiled their prayer book during the time of the exile. It was when their nation had been destroyed, they'd been sent away into exile in Babylon, and sometimes it's when you've lost what you've had that you really begin to appreciate it. And so they got very serious about dealing with their idolatry. They compiled their prayer book, the book of Psalms, and they divided this book into five books. Do you know that? That the book of Psalms is actually divided into five books, and it was some ancient editor who did this. They selected 150 of, you know, their favorite songs, their, the, you know, the, the, great, the greatest hits, and they put them in this book, and they divided them into five books. And so if you open up your book of Psalms, it'll say at the very beginning, book one, Psalms 1 through 41, and then it starts with Psalm 1. Okay, so each of these five books ends with a doxology, a great crescendo of praise. Um, book 1 is Psalms 1 through 41, and it ends with the line, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Book 2, then, 42 through 72, ends with, Blessed be his glorious name forever, and may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. That double amen is a way of saying, we've reached the end of this book. And then it goes on to say, in parentheses, the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Book three is Psalms 73 through 89. It ends with, blessed be the Lord forever, amen and amen. Book four, 90 through 106, ends with, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting even to everlasting, and let all the people say, praise the Lord. Book five which is Psalms 107 through 150, says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, you must ask the question, why did they divide it into five books? 
because Psalms is meant to be connected to the Torah, to those first five books of the Bible, the law, the foundational story. And so Psalms connects you back to that foundational story. It's a, a mini version, a pocket version, so to speak. It's portable, and I don't mean that as an anachronism. The Psalms were a way, and continue to be a way, for the people to stay connected to their story through song. So think about the fact that these psalms originally were sung, and there are even some of them that will say, sung to the tune of, do not destroy, or sung to the tune of something about the lilies. I can't remember what it is. But um, we all know that we are more impacted by what we sing than what we hear in a message. And we also know how easy it is to memorize song lyrics. How many of you have a hundred songs stuck in your brain, filed away in your brain somewhere, and you, you know it? Well, even if you don't know it, if you've ever listened to much music, you do. And you will hear a song that you haven't heard in 20 or 30 years, and you suddenly realize, I still know all the words to that song. Is that true? So that's how the Psalms is meant to work in people's lives, because they were sung they were just all there, and it was easy to have all that, all that material in your head because you knew the song. Okay, I said in your head, but I also mean in your heart. When we talk about knowing something by heart, it's because it's, it's down inside, it's embodied. And so we immerse ourselves in the Bible stories of God's faithfulness, and then we realize well, hey, I have my own stories too, our own stories of God's faithfulness. Well, I have to say that one of the best things about getting older, and yes, we are getting a little older. I think, Jacob, you talked about, you know, 40 years from now. Brian leaned over, he's like, I'll be 102. I'll be 102. Well, who knows? We might have found a better place to be by then, but... Uh, <laughs> That's okay, but it's a good thing to get a little older and be able to look back and say, wow, God sure has been faithful to me. In 40 years of pastoring, God has never forsaken us. Amen, amen. But there were times it felt like it. <laughs> there were times that we wondered if he had. Well, the Psalms give us language to express that. The Psalms are full of lament. And so um, I'm going to look at Psalm 13, and I'll read it to you. O Lord, because it, it, it is a song of lament. O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? And there are people in this congregation that that's the way you feel today, that this could be your psalm today. How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. 
I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Amen. What a beautiful psalm. The first part is this long lament. It's a complaint to God. It's an acknowledging of our feelings. When we turn to the Lord in lament through the Psalms, we can process these feelings with God so that we don't dump them all over other people. (laughs) So we have this long lament, and then there's a turn. But but, but, But I trust in your unfailing love. Is it a memory of rescue in the past? It is, is it speaking faith about what God is going to do in the future? Well, it's both. Amen. So the Psalms invite us to engage with God both through memory and imagination. Developing images, and, and the Psalms is so rich with imagery, but we have to spend some time with them and really think about What do I see? What do I imagine when I read this passage of Scripture? So I want to look at, on this 23rd day of the year, I want to look at the 23rd Psalm, um, which I think of as the Lord's Prayer of the Old Testament. Psalm 23 is a pilgrim psalm. What is a, what's a pilgrim? Going on a pilgrimage. Well, a pilgrimage is a long journey with a spiritual purpose. And I like to think of that's what my life's journey is. It's a long journey with a spiritual purpose. Psalms 84 said, blessed is the one whose heart is set on pilgrimage. So Brian and I have hiked in the mountains for 30 years. And every time we hike in the mountains, I'm thinking about that, it, that the hike that I'm on is a metaphor for my spiritual journey. Later, we got to start going on Holy Land pilgrimages that we lead people, and we are going on, we're leading two in March, and we still have a little bit of space, so if you want to jump on with us, Israel is wide open, we are going. So, and then finally, we went on the Camino de Santiago, which was so incredible. But in my imagination, when I look at the 23rd Psalm, each line, the whole Psalm takes place on a hike, We're on a mountain hike, and we open up with, the Lord is my shepherd. What do I see? What do I imagine when I pray that particular line? I think about, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I think about being at a trailhead, just ready to start a hike, that, that sense of excitement and anticipation, but I'm particularly happy this time because I've got a really good guide this time. Jesus is my shepherd. Jesus is my, is my uh, trail guide. I shall not want. We're not going to lack anything. I have nothing to worry about because the Lord's my shepherd. So I really imagine Jesus there at the trailhead, and he looks like Jesus, long robe, long hair, the beard, and he's got some sheep with him, and you know, maybe I am one of those sheep. So it's just, it's a very comforting, happy feeling for me. So the Lord is my shepherd, Jesus with his sheep at the trailhead. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And to me, that means when it is time to rest, Jesus is going to find us a good place a really good place, green pastures. And I think about a particular hike that we were on when we had been camping and sleeping. 
you know, in a tent. And I've, I've learned, I've told Brian, we don't camp anymore. I used to really enjoy everything about camping, except I never liked sleeping in a tent. <laughs> so, you know, we finally decided we just could not figure out a way that we could camp and I would not have to sleep in the tent. So anyhow, we had not, we had slept in a tent, but I hadn't slept all night long and I was exhausted. But we did another hike the next morning. We went to the top of a Boulder Grand Pass and it's just the most beautiful, high, open um, alpine tundra. And there's a peak over on the side and Brian and Phillips said, hey, we're going to go climb that. And I said, I'm going to lay right down here in this green grass. And I found this little indentation. I laid down and I took just the most wonderful nap of my life. And it was just, it was perfect. It was the sunshine hitting my face in just the right way to just warm me perfectly. I slept for two hours, and when I woke up, they were coming down from the mountain. I thought, I've been in heaven. I'm sure glad I didn't have to climb that peak with them. <laughs> so he leads me beside still waters, takes me to a particularly beautiful memory of when our whole family went to a particular lake, Odessa, and it was just beautiful, the still waters and the peacefulness that I experienced there. He makes me walk in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Well... I see a, path, a fork in the road, and because Jesus is with me, there's no way that I'm going to take the, the wrong path. I can just be confident that I'm going to take the right path because Jesus is with me. Uh, he, he, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I have specific images that I see, this time it's not a mountain path, it's a deciduous trees. And it's late autumn, and it's late afternoon, and we're going down into a valley between the mountains. But I don't fear any evil because he is with me. And then there's the line, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I really encourage all of you, as you spend time with the Psalms, take it line by line and just imagine, what do you see there? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Well, I see a clearing, a, a meadow, so to speak, you know, just an open area surrounded by some trees. And I see this, this picnic blanket laid out that is beautifully furnished with beautiful china, a beautiful meal. Everything is just perfect. And Jesus is there. Hey, I did this just for you. Sit down and enjoy. Jesus says, sit down and enjoy. Well, I walk up to the picnic blanket and then I start looking around. I, you know, I, I scope out the scene and I, I look around me and I see, oh, 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 there's an enemy over there behind that tree. Oh, there's another one over there. Now, in my mind, these enemies, they're not people, but they're just some unresolved problems that I'm just kind of having to live with. But I still see that as an enemy because I don't want that unresolved problem over there. And so I point that out to Jesus and say, well, you got to take care of that. And in my imagination, Jesus just repeats the invitation, sit down and enjoy. And Jesus is asking me without words, but I understand what he's saying. Can you just trust me? with those things off in the future, with those unresolved problems? Can you, just, can you just right now live in this moment and sit down and enjoy what I have prepared for you? And I have to say yes. 
and I hope you will all say yes too. So the beauty of these imagined experiences is that I can visit them whenever I need to. When I'm reading or praying the psalm, the image just comes. That image comes to me, and I'm there. I can sense it in my body, not just up here in my head. And that's what's important, is that we've got to take these words in our mind and, and get them pulled down into our the rest of our being, into our soul, into our heart, into our bodies. So as I pray this, now I have all these images. I have psalms that I have worked with, and I have these images that I can just go to that place in my imagination and settle down and meet God. And it's just like, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there. So that the prayer of words gives way to prayer without words. Now, I'm not talking about simply thinking happy thoughts. I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to be immersed in Jesus' way of thinking. I want to have a baptized imagination. We start with words, the words that Scripture gives us. Start with words, but the prayer of words gives way to prayer without words. Then there's another uh, very special psalm, Psalm 91. It's in our prayer liturgy. We all pray that if we're following the prayer liturgy. That line, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Well, what does that secret place of the Most High look like to you? Can you imagine it? He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Well, if you want to live there, you got to know what it looks like, right? So, I begin to imagine, um, I was like in a, in a walled city and, and, and stoned walls, and I was running around looking for a hiding place, and I found just a, a little niche in the wall that I could scoot into and that nobody would see me. It was, a, it was a hiding place. You know how little kids love to find those hiding places and just be secreted away? Well, that's what Jesus is inviting us to. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. So I, I imagine that, and then I, I kind of realized, you know, I think I got that from Indiana Jones, but <laughs> it's perfectly okay because those movies and things provide us imagery. Well, I have a, a story about that. We had a church conference here several years ago. Uh, Walter Brueggemann was here. It was fantastic, absolutely loving it. We had um, lots and lots of guests here several days. We were having a great time, but I just, I, I developed a migraine headache, just kind of like I was, I was overstimulated. I was over, I hadn't had time to just chill and rest. I was, you know, on, you know, go, go, go. And um, I'd gone to bed early the night before with that migraine and, and woke up still feeling it and had a full day ahead. But I remember coming to church and I waited. To, we had people stay in our house, but I waited till everybody left. And then I came alone and they were all in the MYC and I went into the upper room. And I went into the upper room. And if you've never been in our upper room, you've got to go to our upper room that is you know, covered with this beautiful Jerusalem stone, but I walked in, and there's this, this big uh, archway that you walk through, and, and kind of pillars on the side, and I walked in, and I just kind of slipped around this, um, this post, this, 
and I was kind of in this little crack of the wall, and it was just, I was praying, and there had been a prayer service in there, and um, I could smell candles that had just been distinguished. But I walked around there, and I huddled myself in that little corner, and suddenly I realized I was in the place that I had imagined so many times you know, as, as I prayed the prayer, I've, I'm, I'm in the secret place. And it was like my body actually literally went to the place that I had imagined so many times in prayer. And this just presence of God washed over me so powerfully. And joy filled my heart. And my migraine was instantly gone. And I left the room and I went and joined the people. And it was just awesome. But I think, you know, it was the fact that I had worked to have that experience that allowed me to to really go there. So I'm looking at the clock, and I'm saying, ooh, we're going to skip a whole bunch of stuff. But I just want to talk about how the Psalms are well-crafted prayers that move you beyond, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Not that that is not a particularly legitimate prayer. Go ahead and pray that. But you need to move beyond it because you get stuck in that panicked feeling. So praying psalms or well-crafted prayers to the church helps you to become calmer, more focused, not frantic. And then after I've prayed the psalms or other liturgical prayers given to us by the church, my spontaneous prayers become much different, just calmer, just, you know, just I'm calmed and I'm in the presence of God and I can really, you know, use my faith. So I first started memorizing psalms to have prayers to pray when I woke anxious in the night. I have what I call, and this is just very personal to me, I call it my psalter, my own collection of treasured psalms. I keep them on my phone and they're printed out in my Bible in uh, whatever translation I like the best, and I have committed most of them to memory. Currently, there's just about seven or eight. They're mostly memorized. Memorization opens them up, like going from black and white to color. They become embodied, internalized, full of images, part of my entire being, not just my head. So um, these are psalms that I have worked with, that I've really spent time just going through and um, working with my imagination and um, trying to hear what the Lord would speak to me through them. These are prayers that are embodied, internalized, and they are my psalter. They will always be very precious to me. In closing, in closing, I just want to talk about Eugene Peterson, who was an incredible man of God, an incredible man of prayer. He was the author of the Message Bible. And I listened to a podcast where somebody, the interviewer asked him, he was a very old man, and they said, what do the prayers of an old man look like? And he talked about these memorized psalms. He says, I just have seven or eight that I just return to again and again and again. This man was probably praying them in Hebrew, but they were, they were psalms that had so formed him that he was just able to go there, able to go there, able to just be in the presence of God as soon as he started praying them. And he, he's, he said a line that has always stuck with me. He said, prayer matures into the practice of memory. So his memorized psalms had become his prayer life.
And so the Psalms help me to pray with the saints. And I know that I'm praying with these saints who have gone on before, these, these believers from 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago. Praying with the saints connects me to the saints, the communion of the saints, which is becoming more and more and more important to me. Being a part of the great cloud of witnesses connected to the whole body of Christ and connected to God's great big redemption story. So I encourage you to use these psalms too as you just continue on your journey with God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Perry. Pray the psalms. Pray the psalms. Just start maybe as simple as just what we do here. Pray it according to the day of the year. Tomorrow is the 24th. That's, we, we sang part of that psalm today. That's the king of glory shall come in psalm. And so that's a good one. Stand with me. We've had worship. We've had sermon. Now we have sacrament. We're coming to the table of the Lord. And in preparation for that, we will confess our Christian faith. And then we will confess our sins and receive forgiveness and then come to the table. Amen. Join with me in praying. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. This is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more so come. You who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come. Because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you.